0: Um, I'm going to talk to you today about climate change risk factors and how they're changing asset valuations. I was going to ask the audience, you and people in their, um, their homes, who believes in climate change. But I'm not. Don't put up your hands. Because in the context of this question, it doesn't actually matter. Climate change is happening and it is affecting asset valuations. So I've been working in this, uh, in this area for more than a decade. And before I was doing this, I was in sell-side research. You could almost say I was on the dark side of finance, but uh, I was as a quantitative analyst. So I feel that the, uh, the angle that I bring to you today is very relevant, because I'm looking at it through your lens, through the investor lens. Let's jump straight into it, because the first thing I want to say is we're here to talk about climate change. And a lot of you might be thinking about climate change, and you might automatically just classify that as environmental, yeah? Do you think about climate change as an environmental issue and just an environmental issue? Perhaps. What I want to point out is that climate change is, in fact, at the intersection of environmental, social and governance. So it is affecting all three of those areas. And you can't... Well, you're, you're limiting yourself if you're thinking about the issues of climate change as just being focused on one area. And it's a matter of bringing together the factors across issues like net zero, like governance, uh, like just transition, uh, bringing all those together into the same mix when you're analysing individual companies or assessing portfolios. So, when already when you're thinking about those factors, like uh, net zero, climate risk, these are already being incorporated into the finance instruments, like indices, like ratings. There are already available to you today benchmark pricing on commodities, not just fossil fuels, but also renewable energy, uh, the certificates for voluntary carbon offsetting, net zero or low zero steel, green hydrogen, all of these commodities are already being priced today and available to investors and being looked at and reviewed by investors. If, if, you, take, if you already take that as given that there's these factors that are being put into uh, these investment instruments that you're looking at on a daily basis, that's the first argument to start when considering that, asset, that climate change is changing asset valuations. It's already in those benchmarks. What other ways are those uh, factors being brought into consideration when we're looking at investment? Mm. So as well as in instruments like benchmarks and indices, they're being used in portfolios by active managers. The data is available today. So one of the, factors, one of the things that I hear most when I'm speaking to clients is lack of availability of data. And that's no longer the case, more so today even than it was two years ago. The data for climate risk assessment across uh, both the emissions, the transition risk and physical risk analysis are available across a broad range of asset classes, equities, fixed income, real assets, private equity, commercial real estate, infrastructure. All of these asset classes can be assessed through the lens of climate change. More importantly, they can be assessed through the lens of climate change in a standardized way. So some of the themes that came out of 2021 when we were talking to investors were standardization, transparency, and transition to net zero. These are new factors. Again, I I, I emphasise back the the point on Milton Freeman back in 1970. It's only in the last five years that a framework for assessing climate risk has existed to you, for you, as investment managers. TCFD was released in 2017 in June. Before that, there was a lot of effort being put into climate risk, but in various ways. No standardisation of that reporting. Think about terms like net zero. Can you you think back and remember the first time that somebody said net zero to you? Did you understand what it meant? Was it in the the context of climate change? Because that as a concept in itself is relatively new. And yet when you look at the support for net zero and TCFD today, uh, last time I looked, over 5,000 organisations supporting net zero, including countries, uh, companies, investors, financial institutions. That's all happened within the space of the last two years. So you might be looking at, at my argument that climate change is affecting asset valuations and think, well, you know, it hasn't hit my radar yet. Well, truth be it, it's only existed in, in terms of finance and analysis in the space of the last couple of years. Think about it from another driver, and so another perspective to support the argument for climate change changing asset valuations. It's in regulation, right? Nowadays, central banks around the world have gathered together to create the organization, the NGFS, the Network for Greening the Financial System, and they're highlighting that climate change is a material risk. We saw this for the first time with Mark Carney in 2015 as the governor of the Bank of England, come out and and indicate strongly that climate change was a material risk and needed to be taken into account. It's now supported in Australia too. If we look at our Council Council of Financial Regulators, APRA, ASIC, the RBA and the Treasury, are all making statements to some degree about climate change being a material risk. That puts it on your radar, in your due diligence of the companies that you're looking at. It also means that these organisations are providing guidance around climate risk. You would have seen the corporate governance guidance from the ASX highlighting that companies should be disclosing uh, climate change or environmental risks where they're material. Uh, Likewise, um, we've seen with APRA going out to the banks last year with their climate vulnerability assessment and requiring the large banks to come back and report on their current policies, procedures and practices around their balance sheet and their credit risk in terms of climate change, both transition risk and physical risk. Those banks are being forced to look at climate change as a factor, to incorporate in their valuation of their investments, if they weren't beforehand. And... This is uh, happening around the world. So, if we go over to Europe, I was recently speaking on a presentation about the the European Central Bank, where they've put a survey out to 13 of the organisations that they're working with, asking them about climate risk and how they're incorporating climate risk into their current practices. And from that assessment, we found that, while many of them would like to, and have plans to do it in 2022, today they're not necessarily doing it. But I want to point out to the number of net zero countries, that means that when Australia trades with these countries, 70% of global GDP has a net zero commitment. They're all going to be looking at the carbon emission content of the imports, so the exports coming out of Australia, the imports coming into those countries, and they're around us, not just New Zealand, but Korea, Japan and China as well, and that's increasing. Um, central banks and supervisors, I mentioned, and ESG, uh, three stock exchanges already mentioned. Let's jump onto it. What does that all mean? Countries doing a lot at 1.9 degrees. Companies are a pivotal part of the rapid decarbonisation. Look at this number. This is a representation of companies' carbon emissions, scope one, scope two, scope three, by segment. That needs a 50% reduction. Not a 50% reduction by the end of the century, a 50% reduction in the next eight years, by 2030. How's that going to happen? We know which companies are on a trajectory to achieve alignment to 2030. That can be assessed. It can be assessed through an assessment of a Paris Agreement review of their carbon emission commitments and their trajectories. At the moment, in Asia-Pacific, no segments are aligned to a 1.5 degree. Think back to the slide before, how are we going to achieve that when no, company, no segments at the moment are currently aligned? We can look individually at companies as well as companies by sector, and we can look at what the company's emissions trajectory is and what it looks like in the future. That point that's been circled there represents the point at which we can assess the company's current policies, procedures, targets to achieve alignment to Paris. This is being reviewed and assessed today. This is what's leading to an increased amount of information that can change the valuation of companies. The aspect of greenwashing was brought up on the previous um, presentation. We can review greenwashing through an external assessment of the... Uh, the, the characteristics of companies' behaviour, looking at their reporting. And one way to do this is through a framework like the EU taxonomy. The EU taxonomy, taxonomy provides a list of activities, a shopping list of activities, if you like, that are going to be used by financial institutions like banks in order to assess where their investments should be made in order to rapidly decarbonise decarbonize the economy. We can also look at companies' behaviours and assess their revenue alignment to EU taxonomy. This is being done today and we're focused here just on climate change mitigation and adaptation because that's where the EU discussion is at. But look further down this list and think about what Milton Friedman was saying in 1970. This list isn't created by providers like us, this list is created by the investment community in Europe, and it's being looked at today around Asia-Pacific. I'm currently involved in the Green Financial Industry Task Force in Singapore, where the Monetary Authority of Singapore has put together a group of over 50 uh, people representing organisations to determine if the EU taxonomy works in its current format for Singapore and ASEAN economies and countries and companies, um, or whether it needs to be tailored. Um, We're also founding members of the Australian Sustainable Financial Initiative, another organisation which is looking at uh, taxonomies and the alignment for Australia. These are discussions that are happening today by a broad range of investors across banks, including uh, regulators as observers, as well as companies. Climate risk is important and being taken into consideration because climate change affects everyone, everywhere and everything. Here's a key way to review that, through the physical risks that are caused by global warming. As carbon emissions are linked, or increasing amounts of carbon emissions linked to global temperatures, we can review, through science, what the difference is between a two degree rise in global temperatures or a 1.5 degree. And that's a lot. We're talking about 10 times more Arctic sea ice-free periods at the difference between 1.5 and 2 degrees. We're talking about more intense storms and a greater volume of physical risk events like sea level rise, heat waves and hurricanes. Asia is highly exposed. This analysis is being brought into investment decisions and, and discussions already. Countries around the world already have taken into account... Carbon pricing, which is used as a policy tool to change the 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 valuation of companies, and we can identify the risk premium. This is being taken into consideration in indices and used by investors to understand climate risk. I mentioned before that we're assessing the uh, the commodities, new commodities which are created in the economy today, like green hydrogen like carbon credits, like uh, net zero steel. These are factors that are being looked at closely by investors as instruments to diversify their current portfolios. ESG exists in credit ratings, it has for a long time. We've been looking at this since, or a study from 2015 to 2017, which indicates the number of ESG events that led to ratings actions. Here's a more recent study, 550, Actions in total, 451 negative last year already, okay? Another way to think about how climate change is being incorporated into asset valuations today is to look at indices. This index focuses on carbon efficient companies looking at carbon intensity. As I've brought together very quickly for you a number of the different ways to assess how climate change is impacting company valuations. I think you might have seen that a number of the factors I'm looking at are risk-related. So in order to protect your investments, your portfolios, from climate change, you need to protect against those risks. And in line with how to improve your performance, you can say that in this case, the best offence is to defend against... The rising risk of climate change in terms of the valuations of the companies. I did give you resources that I look at and that I read in order to better understand how the global economy is rapidly incorporating these climate risks into their valuations. Some of the ones that I point out are the standards like NGFS and PCAF. Think about GFANS that only existed since COP26 and it's over $100 trillion of investor money backing the initiative for net zero. That net zero commitment has to happen somehow, and it's got to happen quickly. It's going to change the way they're assessing and valuing the companies that they invest in. In summary, the ESG trends are related and must be considered together. Climate change risk factors are changing asset valuations. These strategies must be incorporated into financial impacts of carbon price, unpriced carbon, the physical risks that that we see happen in Australia, as well as across the rest of the world, and the commitments to be Paris-aligned. As I mentioned at the beginning, data is not a roadblock, it's not an excuse, it exists. If If I was going to play the other side of this debate, Uh, and, and play this for you in case I get asked this question. There are other factors that come into investment. There are other factors besides climate change, besides ESG. That's your job to bring those factors into play as well. You have your own styles in terms of your investment themes. You have your own themes and mandates to bring in. But like any of the risks that you've been looking at over the years or decades that you've been working Today, you need to bring into account climate change as a risk. We've got a question that's the one question I'd like to ask you. If all of that information is available and being used in valuations, does that mean that climate change is no longer a durable source of alpha? Can we expect this to be bid away and effectively just to be beta, maybe smart beta? How Mm -hmm. do you respond to that? Like all information that's made available, uh, it's interpreted. Uh, It's interpreted through your lens, it's interpreted through your processes, it's interpreted through your own um, systems and views. And it's combined with the other factors that you're bringing into your investment decisions. Uh, So... My my view would be that climate change data is now a factor in the investment process, uh, but that all of the alphas been arbitraged away, um, like any factor, uh, there will will be uh, those times where climate change is um, overly considered, in the valuation of a company and um, under-considered. And that's your role, to determine uh, which side of the balance the climate change makes up in the investment decision and to, to focus on your, uh, your ability to identify company value.